0: This is Terry Beatley, your host of What If We've Been Wrong? I'm shining light into some dark places so that beauty, goodness, and truth defeat the schemes of the enemy. It's true, people are perishing for lack of knowledge, and we're instructed to have nothing to do with the evil deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. That's what I do on What If We've Been Wrong, rethink, explore, and uncover some hidden truths, so that more people can experience an abundant life and the joy of being set free from the shackles that hold us in prison. Welcome to What If We've Been Wrong. Why is it that the American high school student cannot explain to you what is socialism or communism? How come the, the vast majority of the millennials voted for Bernie Sanders, who is a full-blown socialist, if not a card-carrying communist. Well, the answers lie in our government-run school system, which was taken over decades and decades ago by the socialists, and you might as well say communists, and they've watered it down, dumbed it down, and they're turning our young people, or have turned them, into globalists. Well, my guest today is Dr. Ileana Johnson-Powell. She survived communist romania and she immigrated to the united states back in 1978 and then she became an american citizen in 1982 she's fluent in many different languages she's written four books getting ready to publish her fifth one and she has taught economics at the college level for over 30 years and she's going to share some of her depth and breadth of experience and she's also here to let us know wake up american parents the average american Teacher as well as professor is a full-blown socialist, whether they realize it or not. So, Dr. Johnson Powell, welcome onto what have we been wrong?
1: Uh, thank you, Terry. Thank you for having me. Well, w-
0: what you can share is so important. I hope every American and every American young person will, 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 as many as possible, tune in and and learn what was it like to be. Um, indoctrinated. So let's just start there. How did the Communist Party in Romania indoctrinate its youth and end up
1: taking over? Well, if you look at this young man named Hogg, who is very offensive to me because he's the quintessential figure of the utterly indoctrinated, useful idiot that we had under communism uh, before the entire population was convinced, and insert sarcasm, some of them, many of them were forced to become the communist society that it had become. Uh, But he's the quintessential figurehead of a brainwashed American student. And the brainwashing started 50, 60 years ago, perhaps 100 years ago. But it Accelerated in 1978 79 with the establishment of the Department of Education, which uh, coordinates all the 50 states' indoctrination of our children in public schools. And of course, it's a very powerful agency. It has over 7,000 employees in Washington, D.C., and a budget of uh, around $80 billion. So it is very, very powerful. And um, as a former educator, I was a teacher for thirty years an adjunct college professor as well, and I taught eleventh and twelfth grade gifted students. I saw this indoctrination firsthand. Um, it, it's not they're, they're not taught about communism at all. They're being indoctrinated into the wonders. Of socialism and as such they're implying the Fabian socialism in Europe which is not really true socialism as I've experienced Uh, but uh, right now uh, most of the teachers in our public schools and colleges teaching today have gone through colleges that have indoctrinated them to indoctrinate our children and they have them eight hours a day so we're kinda of waking up too late to this. And he is the quintessential picture, this hog guy. And if you watched his mannerisms, um, his raised fist, that was a symbol of Stalinist, as well as the fascist youth in, the, in Hitler's Germany. So uh, it is very frightening. And there is a very, very powerful neo-Stalinist movement in this country, and unfortunately, people are being brainwashed into believing that they're doing something to help them, and they're buying this because it's 24-7 on the alphabet soup networks. Well, and just in case somebody's missing the understanding of who is
0: this young guy, Hog. explain that and, and how they quickly looped him into, actually, I think it was all planned myself. Yeah. But that's a whole other discussion. Explain yes. who
1: is this hog guy, the, the young man? Definitely. It was planned. He uh, was introduced as a survivor of the Parkland shooting in Florida. To me, I, I haven't researched his real background, but to me he does not look like a high school-age student. He just happens to be petite, and uh, so he could pass off as a high school student. But he's too articulate and uh, Everything just seems so well in place to be just an ordinary high school student. Yeah. But I'll leave it at that. To right. me, he's a very, he's somebody who is older than high school, who has been coached to to speak to uh, to make the points theatrically and what to say to sway the ignorant uh, masses. He's the useful idiot who uh, represents. Uh, to me, either Hitler's youth or the communist youth who were used in many communist societies who have experimented with communism to either sway the masses to become communist or force them to become communist at the end of the gun, which the majority of the population no longer own because they were confiscated they were confiscated just
0: like they want to confiscate the guns you know this is sort of a side issue but a glaring issue so if you remember the marriage issue oh all it was was they were using the issue of homosexuality and they just want the same rights um and and to be married well once they got what they were saying they wanted well then then begins the slippery slope now our children just you know a short time later are being indoctrinated into sexual deviancy and it's being crammed down their throat as young as kindergartners and so there's no stopping i mean because they want the destruction of america but now let me swing back to your days in romania growing up in communist romania how i mean how can what happened to you? What did you see, and how they were indoctrinating, indoctrinating you? Give us some like real examples.
1: Of course, I I was uh, born in the late fifties, so communism was already established by the time I was born, um, and of course it has evolved and it had gotten worse as time progressed. The worst being in the eighties when I was no longer there. I lived for 20 years, first 20 years of my life under communism, but I escaped in 78. Um, it, it had gotten much worse in the 80s, um, and uh, it has now morphed into a different type of communism, which is globalism. But anyway, I um, you had to be a communist, whether it was a young pioneer or later on a member of the Communist Party, in order to have some extra benefits that the majority of the population did not. Mm-hmm. We were in survival mode because everything we ever owned had been confiscated by the communists, by the Bolsheviks, and every uh, everything that we had was quote-unquote given to us as rental property uh, by the Communist Party, and we had subsidized electricity and water and food, whatever meager food rations we had because most of the time we had to operate on rationing Mm -hmm. because central planning in communism did not work. Most of of these communists were, uh, they had the gift of gab, of political rhetoric, but they were not very educated people. Some of them never went to high school, and they did not understand economics. They did not understand supply and demand. So all the time, we were running on shortages of everything. Um, and it was hard to survive. Uh, You would see, I I was a six-year-old, a seven-year-old standing in line with my parents at 4 or 5 a.m. trying to buy milk or butter or flour or whatever uh, rationing coupons we had left that day and whatever deliveries were gonna be made that way. And oftentimes we'd stand in these endless lines and at the end of the line, they would run out of whatever we needed, and sometimes even bread. It's so
0: Incredible.
1: It, yeah. I mean, and that's going on right now in Venezuela,
0: you know, just south of, you know, in South America. And, uh, and I think for the average American who doesn't pay any attention to this, Eliana, it all sounds like history and it sounds like, well, that could never happen here in America. Walk us through some of the examples where, no, 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 it's, it's been going on here and that, that slippery slope toward greater and greater you know, socialism, more control by the state. How, how are Americans experiencing that now? And it may not be as extreme as what you just described,
1: but we're well on our way. Well, we are on our way um, ideologically. Um, economically, we're not, uh, because if you go back to the Roman soldiers, Uh, they only cared about the pebble in their shoe. In our case, an American would worry about their family's life, the pebble in their shoe, which the number one pebble would be starving. Well, I don't see any Americans starving. We have an obesity problem in this country. And the welfare system is huge. Mm -hmm. So I... Unless that trickles down or stops altogether, the average American is not feeling the effects of this fundamental transformation that is occurring from a capitalist free market to a um, government dependent uh, soft tyranny. We live under a soft tyranny today, but people are too little informed and uh, uneducated, uh, ignorant in what it really represents. For example, nobody takes seriously this uh, 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 huge budget that was just passed that cannot possibly be paid back in many, many generations to come, and that will mean impoverishment down the line. Uh, And people think that, well, you can just write off debt. Well, no, you can't, because the people that you owe money to will come claiming it with a military. It has happened in the at the beginning of the 20th century um, when uh, some South American countries uh, were refusing to pay their debt and they were shelled by an army coming from the sea so it did not went end well they had to pay their debt back so Thinking that you can, well, we're a big country, 330 million people, and we can just write off the debt. No, you can't. You will be occupied by foreign troops who will come and demand uh, reparations of that debt. And, And I'm assuming China owns
0: most of our debt. Correct. Right. Yes. Okay. And, and we're going to pay the paper one way or the other. All right. Talk to us about, um, religious freedom because we already know they steal your property. So, and and then they, they try to control all the planning all the way down to your toilet paper and whether or not you get, you know, jelly that
1: week, um, or that month. Well, mm -hmm. it's uh, in terms of food, because I should have gone a little further. Um, Because food was so scarce, people started to barter in order to survive. Bartering is an economic, simplistic economic system of survival. You know, before we had currency, people barter. So uh, bartering um, was a way of uh, extra survival because everybody was paid approximately the same. So uh, people survived by stealing from where they worked and trading with other people who also stole things from where they worked. So if uh, somebody worked at a wine factory and they stole wine and you wanted some wine and you worked at a bread factory, you stole bread and traded bread with for wine. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you couldn't do that in drugs with medicine because it was, um, the The supply of it was very, very low, and the demand was huge. You couldn't barter. But um, you had basic shortages of toilet paper. I still have toilet paper that I got five years ago on my first visit back to Romania, and it has wood splinters in it. So if you couldn't uh, refine your production process in 25 or 27 years since communism fell, how good are you going to be at... Uh, uh, redressing all the other problems that were created by 40, 50 years of communism. And uh, it it can be seen in the medical uh, care of people in Romania currently. It is still very bad and very uh, Uh, communistic-like. It is socialized medicine, by the way. You do have the right to go for sniffles, but if you have something serious, you're in trouble. Plus, a lot of the doctors have uh, moved to other European Union countries because now they can, and they're working there, and they're getting paid more than than the egalitarian salary that all these idiots are demanding under socialism. Well, we're, we're, we're experiencing the same thing under this whole Obamacare, and
0: we just have about a minute left before the break. Share with us, please. Uh, like what, what does this mean? The utilitarian approach to healthcare. Let's say if I have kidney uh, kidney cancer and I'm whatever. Say if I was sixty three years old, how would they? How would the government look at me under a socialist uh, uh, medical society?
1: Well, they were probably, uh, they do have some kind of algorithm of uh, calculating you, your usefulness to society. So they will deny you care or some care based on this usefulness that you still uh, may contribute with to society. Uh, so uh, it's, it's not going to uh, bode well uh, <laughs> because they may tell you, well, old lady or old man, you know, you've lived a long life. This is just way too expensive, and it's likely to kill you if we treat you with chemotherapy. As a matter of fact, they've come up with a bunch of bogus uh, surveys in England. They call them um, a scientific research. Uh, studies they're not scientific at all that say oh the majority of population is killed by chemo that is not true <laughs> that is absolutely a bold-faced lie but hey um, it's a great way though for governments to save money
0: and with that not- idea we're going to be coming right back don't go anywhere uh, we have Eliana Johnson and she's going to walk us through what is communism because she knows all about it from Romania we'll be right back
2: Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way. There haven't been any nutrition systems designed to rejuvenate our bodies as we get older, until now. Healthy Cell Pro is the only multi system that impacts the building block of your body, the cell. Created by anti-aging expert and Nobel Prize nominee, Dr. Vincent Giampappa, award-winning Healthy Cell Pro cuts through the complexity of nutrition supplements by simply giving you the purest ingredients, filling dietary gaps to nourish your cells and enhance your quality of life for optimal performance. Visit HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for an exclusive discount or call
3: 844-869-9958. Well, the OutLoud perspective awaits you in life, love, politics, a healthy lifestyle, your faith, personal development, and live an OutLoud life on AmericaOutloud.com literature news and entertainment network where you can listen 24 7 on our free apps on both android and apple welcome to the new era in communications america out loud talk radio all
0: right i'm back with eliana johnson and we were just talking about You know, healthcare over in Romania, you know, socialized medicine. And the the problem, one of the many problems with it is not not only did the doctors flee Romania, the good doctors, um, but, but what's left are doctors whose hands are basically tied. Uh, and so they're forced to um, cut off health care if you're, you know, over certain age limits or what have you, because the government just looks at it as, well, you're, you're too old. You're not going to be productive enough. This is not how America's health system used to be. But, Ileana, are
1: we heading in that direction? Oh, absolutely. Why else would you have a 15 panel, um, none of which are medical doctors, who are entitled to deny uh, medical care to patients who are are under Obamacare. And, of course, they denied that such a panel exists, and they called it the death panel. Well, it does exist. It's real. Uh, It's just that people don't have the time nor the inclination to read the 3,000-plus pages of the uh, Obamacare, which they call the Affordable Care Act, which we learned it wasn't affordable at all. Uh, But, yes... Uh, And getting back to what you asked me about medical care in Romania, when they were, you know, communists, so to speak, um, they killed the tyrant in 1989, um, we just did not have much options for serious problems issue. People just died. And there was a lot of malpractice and nobody cared, you couldn't sue anybody, people were killed all the time, people died from simple uh, infections, like the young lady in the UK who didn't have the money, she was a student, didn't have the money to buy uh, the prescription, and she died probably of uh, septicemia, which is a septic infection of the blood from a a simple um, uh, kind of nose, throat kind of infection, I think she had an earache. Um, Anyway, so people died like that all the time. They couldn't find the medication. You got a prescription, but you went to the pharmacy and the shelves were empty. Mm -hmm. They were bare. Uh, Where would you buy it? You could go to the black market if you were lucky and pay 10, 20 times the price. Uh, Yes, you could go to the doctor and uh, his waiting room was full. You'd wait all day to be treated. You walked out by 4, 5 o'clock p.m. with a prescription, but nothing you couldn't buy it you couldn't even buy vitamins uh, if you were sent to the dentist if they did a root canal and I remember having a root canal at 15 they did it without anesthesia because they didn't have drugs to anesthetize uh, you and it was very very painful trust me in the end you still pull the tooth um, so, so, so at the end of the day if, if I'm hearing you correctly there's no such
0: thing as free so as no. the socialist and American government uh, try to sell the population on free this or it's your right, you know, or you deserve it. Um, anything from a free iPhone to free health care to free college education, there's nothing free. Somebody always pays. And so in this case, basically, you not only paid financially, but you paid with your health i mean you paid you lost your liberty and let's swing over to religious liberty um did did you have the right to you know go to a church were there christian churches in romania and and what happened
1: yes there were churches in romania um uh, there were uh, Orthodox churches, Catholic, Lutheran, and there were mosques because we have been invaded off and on by the Ottoman Empire for 1,500 years, and my people have fought there uh, them for a long time. Well, a few were left behind, and they had mosques at the Black Sea. So, um, But anyway, but they were integrated. They were Romanians. They just happened to worship differently than we did but we were not really allowed or encouraged to go. They kept these churches uh, just so they can bury people, baptize people, and uh, uh, perform weddings. Um, The majority of Romanians are Orthodox. Uh, Other than that, um, very few people perhaps in faraway villages would go on a weekly basis to church because there was nobody there to spy on them going and if they did they were so old nobody cared. Mm-hmm. But in the city you were watched all the time and if you were a member of the Communist Party, you better did not go to church. you were allowed to um, you know die there to be you know for burial. Baptize your children or have a wedding and that's it. Oh, really? So,
0: oh, so they would yeah. allow you to do that But then don't show up on Sunday or Wednesday night <laughs> No,
1: no, okay. and They couldn't own a Bible and they were impossible to find and um, it, it was just basically just uh, The existence of church was for show and there were many priests that were actually collaborators with the Communist Party and that's why they were allowed to exist or quote-unquote preach at all. Of course, in Orthodoxy, they don't have a sermon like you have here in the Protestant religion. Right. Um, they uh, actually read from scriptures and they have Gregorian chants and stuff like that.
0: Mm-hmm. So if a Bible was found, what would happen? I mean, let, let's say they found a
1: Bible in your home. Would you be imprisoned over that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And many people have been in prison for owning Bibles. Um, In 1977, we had an earthquake that was terrible. So the American Bible Society sent a lot of Bibles to Romania for people to use as comfort. Um, And they were in Romanian, but they were um, actually uh, recycled. And one time we bought some toilet paper and I saw Bible verses still visible on this toilet paper. I wished I had the wherewithal wow. to keep so keep a roll of that. But um, yeah, well, I told my dad, I said, dad, we can't use this because they've been recycled from the Bible because the, the print was that good and the paper, and they, it couldn't be completely erased. Okay, so Eliana, when you fled Romania. I think
0: you said, it was it 1978 you flew yeah. Romania? Okay, were you a, a Christian
1: believer back then? Yes, I was a Christian believer then because I used to go with uh, both my grandmothers in the village to church more frequently than the average Romanian, but I wouldn't say that I was a, a, a faithful goer every week like pe- people go here on Wednesday night and on Sunday. We would go Uh, periodically on certain uh, saints' days and Easter and Christmas and uh, that sort of thing, but uh, yeah. Okay, so I'm going to make the assumption then your family, your family
0: members were not part
1: of the Communist Party. Well, um, some of them were, but not many, but my immediate family, my mom and and dad were not. Uh, they refused to become members and of course once you refuse to become a member you pretty much sign the death warrant of your professional career. In my parents case th- there was no talk of a professional career. My my mom and dad were blue-collar workers. My my dad was a mechanic and my mom had worked in uh, different factories um, and they finished their education at night school. They cam- came for many Children in the family. My dad had eight brothers and sisters, and my mom had six brothers and sisters. And
0: so, out of the eight brothers and sisters your dad had, how many of those became communists or members of the party?
1: Um, I, I don't know um, okay. any per se. I think one guy may have been a policeman, and I think they were required to be. And then on my mom's side, there was there were a couple. Of people one was a doctor and one was an engineer and in order to advance professionally they had to become members I'm okay. not sure how much they believed in the
0: ideology right. but yeah. okay so any kind of upward mobility but let's even say for those people who wanted um, to further their education so even if it was reluctantly they became members of the Communist Party what's in it for them would they get better housing or what what would be the perks to become well
1: they they would get better housing or when they graduated from college they would get a better assignment if you were an engineer you uh, found a, or were given a job with a nice uh, factory nearby a cushy assignment or if you uh, were a doctor you were not sent on top of this mountain Trying to take care of a village that had not seen a doctor in decades. Uh, So, which that would not have been a cushy assignment. But if you're a Communist Party member and you were in good standing, they kind of took care of their own and they gave them extra food, extra rationing coupons. Uh, They ran up on the list, the waiting list for those cinder block apartments, um, which were reserved after they confiscated people's private property uh you had nothing and you had to go rent their cinder block apartments
0: it's just it it just sounds almost surreal and i hope our friends who are listening will 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 further their education and so you've written a number of different books in fact let me let me i'm gonna read off some of the names and then i'm gonna pose my question to you One of them is Echoes of Communism, is that right? Echoes of Communism, and then Liberty on Life Support, UN Agenda 21, which is environmental piracy, and then Communism 2.0, 25 years later. If somebody could only read one of your books, and you wanted them to get, you know, a basic understanding of, you know, this is what life was like, and this is how America is going down a slippery slope. Which of those four books should
1: they read? I would recommend Echoes of Communism, uh, which shows every aspect of society, what it was like living under Communism, education, religion, uh, shopping, food, and holidays, and so forth. Mm -hmm. And then the second book, which is very pertinent to our society today, is uh, UN Agenda 21, and if I can uh, synthesize it to one issue in that book is I wrote about wherever I found Agenda 21 is private property. If you don't have private property, including your guns, then you don't really have anything. You're going to fall under this uh, globalist, neo-communist, neo-Marxist uh, movement. And it is global mm-hmm. uh, And now I think it has morphed. Uh, They no longer call it Agenda 21. That was back in 1992. They call it today Agenda 2030. So by 2030, they expect the entire globe to be compliant with this plan of no private property.
0: Well, okay, so when Donald Trump refused to, uh, what would be, re-sign on to that Paris agreement, I mean, Trump understands Agenda 21. I know he gets it. And he understood how that's all about, you know, control and statism and globalism. Uh, Well, highlight for everybody, what is Agenda 21? And then tie this back to
1: what does this have to do with communism? Well, the, the linchpin of Agenda 21 is sustainable development. They're selling it to the world, not just the United States, as... Every activity, human activity or business activity, has to be conducted within the barriers or parameters of sustainable development. If it's not sustainable, meaning if it hurts the environment, you can't do it. Uh, And who would be in control of telling you what you can and cannot do? The United Nations. And um, there's a long list in my book of all the things that the United States, uh, nations has deemed not sustainable in other words, you cannot do it f pretty much everything that constitutes our daily lives today in America but make it, it real I mean, break, do it, do break it all the, the way problem.
0: down H- Eliana um, b- tell our listeners
1: what are some of these things because it's, uh, it's so because unreal if you like playing golf, no asphalted roads no parking lots no. Private property in suburbia? No, you're supposed to be in high-rise apartments, in teeny tiny apartments, mixed use, uh, five minutes from work, uh, school, uh, walking or bicycling. All these bicycle paths are Agenda 21. Um, anything that uses um, carbon um, or any kind of uh, fuel, uh, it's it's a no-no. So. They want to take you out of your cars and put you in uh, mass transit, trains, light rail, walking, biking. Absolutely, and with that thought, no I'm, farming I'm too. No farming, no chemicals, no
0: nothing. No farming, no chemicals. All right. It sounds surreal, but it's absolutely real. The globalists are after us, and, and you've experienced what communism is like. And now, you know, with your expertise, Ileana, you can see it more like on a macro level. You understand the micro, but you can see it. It's, it's almost like you're a mile above everybody looking down, and, and your four books piece it all together. All right, we're going to come right back and, and pick up this conversation.
3: Welcome to the new era in communications, America Out Loud Talk Radio.
2: Think back to the last time you felt healthy and energized. The best times of our lives occur when we're at the peak of our health, sleeping better, full of energy and focus. We know that fades with age and you might be feeling the effects of aging as low energy and poor sleep, but it doesn't have to be that way.
0: All right, we're back with Eliana Johnson. And Eliana, I want to pick this up with, um, explain to people how did the communist government begin to um, gather the people like sheep and get them off their private property, their farms out in the countryside of Romania, and then begin, just like cattle, begin to push them into these, um, you know, cinder block, whatever they were, you know, apartment buildings. How'd they do it?
1: Well, um, first they had... Uh, People like, somebody like uh, David, I don't know if his first name is David Hogg, who, who is a young man who doesn't know what the heck he's talking about. And he is so convincing to other useful idiots who listen to him. And that's what happened in Romania. People listen to somebody who had the gift of rhetorical speech. And they believed them and they willingly gave up their farms in order to have cooperative farms owned by the Communist Party in which they would have to work and they each would be paid a share of the proceeds each year after the Communist Party got first their lion's share from these cooperative farms. Those who refused were taken by vans at night and driven around in in windowless vans. They didn't know where they were. They thought they were being taken to Siberia and they signed over their property to the Communist Party by fear to this cooperative farm. So thus they confiscated everybody's land and they just left some of them, a tiny house, and if they refused and refused, and uh, but most of them gave in and they moved them into cities in these concrete tinder block apartments and that were uh, anywhere from five stories to twelve stories high. Most of them did not have elevators, and they were just teeny, tiny 600 square foot uh, apartments. I took my husband, for a visit recently, my the apartment that I grew up in still exists. Somebody has bought it. Um, and my husband had a hard time turning around in the hallway and in the kitchen and the living room because it was so tiny, teeny. They were actually smaller than the average hotel room in the United States. So that's how they wind up there. But I have to tell you a story uh, an American dignitary was flying over Romania during Ceausescu's regime, and, uh, and I heard this from uh, Voice of America, and he asked, and it was since written in a book about it, uh, he asked, where uh, are the people's homes because the land was just green with crops, and uh, they said, well, uh, <laughs> they've been all moved to the city so that's how there were no homes. So to this day, the villages in Romania, they're like little clusters of homes next to each other because the rest of the land uh, is used for agriculture. Uh, back so, then, it was the cooperative farms.
0: Okay, so when it was cooperative farms, what, would they just bus in the workers you know, daily when it was time to
1: pick the crops? I mean, they still had to have people, right? Yes, was The people that remained in the village were forced to work, and then they would bus in people from the city, uh, so-called volunteers, and including um, high school students or middle school students. I remember picking grapes. I remember picking potatoes and onions and corn. How old were you? Um... We were in middle school, from middle school all all the way up to high school. And then when they were really in a bind, they would bring college students as well. All right, Um, so
0: they would indoctrinate you in the morning at school and then put you on a bus to go pick grapes in the afternoon?
1: No, this was, um, no, they would reserve at the time when crops, like in the fall, when they had to be harvested. Right. Uh, that's when they would uh, not bus us in. They would put us on these big flatbed trucks, mm. and we didn't have water. We didn't have food. We had to bring our own food and water, and the uh, like when we picked grapes, they were heavily sprayed with pesticides, so you couldn't ah. even eat any of them. Oh, um, gosh. You know, the, these are the
0: stories Americans need to know. You know, I, it, it, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of how I used to have these kind of conversations with my dad, and and you know, growing up when I was a teenager, and he would just talk to us what what was what is communism, and these kinds of stories. But but again, you experienced it, so you're making it so real. All right, help us understand the media and how the media played its role in spreading. Uh, communism and uh, and expanding it?
1: Well, the, the media was government-owned. There were two television channels. The first one w- had mostly uh, propaganda, communist propaganda all day, and the president's boring, long speeches. And then we had a uh, educational channel, sort of like PBS, where they would give us movies once in a while, or uh, some kind of series from the United States, like we had Dallas. I would never understand how that passed the (laughs) censors, but I guess they wanted to show us how rotten uh, capitalists were, but it wound up working the other way. And uh, there were actually more people curious to defect to such a life than to say that, oh, these rotten capitalists but yeah, and then uh, they would have maybe a cartoon or a children's show, and they were all tools of indoctrination. There was uh, there were a couple of newspapers. The Flame and uh, Free Romania that were run by the Communist Party, which was a joke in itself. Free Romania, we were not free at all. When you couldn't move from town to town or from village to town without the government's permission and you could not go abroad because they never issued you a passport and you were watched constantly by your neighbors and told your moves to the security police all the time they knew everywhere you were everything you did and these people were just paid a little extra uh, food or a little extra money um you were not free at all mm-hmm. how did you escape well, well i was going to wait for that to the end but i just can't wait to hear how did you get out of romania I <laughs> to the united states legally um my uh, husband or soon to become husband um I met him when I was about 14 or 15. He came with the Friendship Ambassadors to Romania. It was a program under Jimmy Carter, I believe, which was their way of spreading uh, capitalism to to the Eastern Bloc countries, the Iron Curtain, so-called. And they would come to various towns, and this particular group was sponsored by a church. And um, I spoke some English, and they asked me, I, I was at an art school, and I was doing um, uh, sculpt, sculpture and etching and stuff like that, and they said, well, Ilya, you speak some English, can you please take these roses, and after this concert is over, just give everybody a rose and tell them thank you. And and I did, and this guy took a liking to me, and we corresponded for years, and that's a story in itself, what the security police did to us, and. Or when his mother came to visit, and I eventually married him, and only that way I was able to escape Romania. So you married an Amer? they
0: allowed you to marry an American? That yeah. just seems like that would be something that they wouldn't allow to happen.
1: Normally they didn't. It took about a year of scrutiny and permissions and this and that, and of course I didn't own anything. I was a very poor person so um, you would think that the permission would be given right away but it took about a year and he came several times and we got married in Romania uh, with a, in a civil ceremony and then we had to get married again in church mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah it was a long story it took about four years from the time uh, we met and the time we actually got married and then another six months for me to leave. It was just an incredible amount of paperwork. That's why I'm so offended by all these people who jump the border and get at the front of the line and claim, well, we have a right to be here. <laughs> because right. they do not know what people who came here legally, how many years they had to wait and how many thousands of dollars they had to spend. Exactly. Yeah. To get here in paperwork and trips to authorities and interviews and uh, just to become an American citizen it took me um, four years and I was always scrutinized why was I a red pioneer which everybody had to be a red pioneer if you went to school in Romania but mm-hmm. um, well, what does why, that mean because a lot of people won't know red... it was a bad thing a red pioneer was like the uh, little Uh, little commies uh, who will eventually become full-blown commies once they're indoctrinated in school. Mm -hmm. But they did not succeed in indoctrinating me at all. So, um, but anyway, it it took a while. Uh, All these interviews back then in 78, uh, Americans took seriously the threat of communism and losing personal freedoms and freedom in general. Um, But now... And I remember trying to go to school here and I brought my transcript and I had one of the courses was scientific socialist and my advisor left. He said, well, we can't give you credit for that. That's hogwash. There's not nothing scientific about socialism, um, and uh, but today they would probably praise me and they would probably give me six hours credit for. Shoot, <laughs> they'd give you an honorarium, you know, doctorate degree,
0: exactly, <laughs> and, and push you right up line. Yeah. Um, now, what about the this um, economic police? I've I've read about it before. You know, I remember my dad talking about it. But um, tell us about the economic police.
1: Yeah, we were... Technically, under communism, we we're all supposed to be equal, um, earning the same, or socialism, earning the same amount of money. Nobody could acquire anything extra except the people at the very top, the elites in the Communist Party, um, who could confiscate whatever they wanted from whomever they wanted. Uh, so they established the economic police. So you, the neighbors spied on you, and if they saw you have anything extra, better food, better clothes, or maybe you bought a motorcycle. They, The economic police would come knock on your door. They would want to know, where did you get the money to buy those items? Why were you not as poor as all your other neighbors? Unbelievable. You know, th- this
0: is so counter to how I've raised my own children because I encourage them to uh, always maintain that entrepreneurial spirit. So my oldest one, she's sort of artsy, and uh, and she paints on the side. She's getting a degree in advertising, but just for fun, she paints pop art, and she'll put it out on the internet. And she called me the other day, and she said she sold the latest painting for $175. And I'm like, you go, you keep doing this. And I, I explained how you can you know carve out a little niche market for yourself, and, and the sky's the limit on what you can accomplish. So the kids growing up in Romania they can't even like think like that. They can't no. even think about being creative, right? And, and moving no, beyond the status quo.
1: No, and most of the time you went to school to educate yourself for fun, for personal satisfaction, not because you had an easier or a job or you made more money because everybody made about the same. Um, so the incentive was there just to educate yourself, where here the incentive of a college degree is you get a better job, you have the opportunity to do better, There's uh, there used to be meritocracy, that's going downhill in this country as well because pretty much everybody gets a degree now as long as they pay the tuition. Right,
0: right. Well, uh, it's to, that part is, I can I can hardly wrap my mind around Being born in a country where you can't, you really can't even dream about doing better, right?
1: Would you say that it's just stolen from you, the hope? Yes, it is. Any kind of hope and incentive is stolen unless you have not been brainwashed like uh, I wasn't brainwashed. And I was still hoping and dreaming. And I found a way. And I'm forever grateful that I met that day, uh, my future husband, it was fate, I believe, wow. uh, but <clears throat> most of the, the only entrepreneurs that I can think of under communism were those who dared enough to sell things on the black market, wow. uh, because they knew the risk, they would go to jail, and yet they still did it, and they made extra money,
0: How
1: about and that? who can blame them, I mean, if they were able to secure Extra beyond what they needed and were willing to sell it, and people willing to buy it. Sure. You can blame them. Mm-hmm. Well,
0: I, I'm looking back at the titles of your four books, and you know, we we'll almost have to wrap up here. What would you like Americans to better understand so that, like, actually, let me re- rephrase that question. All right, Eliana, you've written four books. And you recommended if somebody can only read one of the books, they need to read Echoes of Communism. But uh, 25 years later, you went back to Romania after supposedly communism had fallen. What did you discover and what would you
1: want people to understand? I discovered after 25 years, and I have to tell you that my husband actually dragged me back to Romania, and I was in the airport in Bucharest and I was crying. Um because i didn't want to be there because all those things that had happened to my family and how my dad was killed um were flooding back but then once i discovered that people actually had food and there was some hope uh it got better but i was i was very frightened but i was no longer looking over my shoulder the problem is However, communism never went away. It just went underground. Exactly. And it was repackaged yeah. by uh, all the people that came after Ceausescu, their children and grandchildren. I don't mean Ceausescu's, but all the communist elites, uh, uh, children and grandchildren. They have repackaged communism and they're selling it. It's a form of neo Stalinism under the term of globalism, and the same things that are happening in this country are happening in Romania. Yes, they built more churches, but a lot of them are beholden to this globalist movement Mm -hmm. uh, for money, for financial support. Schools are indoctrinating um, their students in the same uh, common core indoctrination curricula that exists here. Why? Because after Ceausescu and his wife were executed, the dictator in 1989, the first person who was allowed to fly into Romania following the coup and the revolution was George Soros and his Open Society Foundation. And who did they meet first with? The Ministry of Education. Who wrote their textbooks that are still used today in Romania's schools? Uh, people who worked for him. And (laughs) yes, and so a lot of people who are in government today are beholden to George Soros, to many college grants, and um, uh, NGOs, non-governmental organizations that he gives funds to. They have all indoctrinated the society into this Globalism. So every young person I have met in this country who have even come to study here, they're all um, uh, hardcore lefties, neo-communists. It's very sad, but it's true.
0: Well, the, the part I'm confused on is when they elevate, you know, Stalinism, are, are they... The people who are promoting Stalinism, but it's not under Stalin's name because, I mean, he has such a dirty, bad name. Or am I off base on that?
1: They don't think he's dirty because if you go to any public school in America today, they don't teach about communism and how bad it was. It's a romanticized version of equal pay, equality, equal promotion and treatment of women and all uh, such things which are totally untrue Uh, so when you're telling children and who the book the textbook used in in most American public schools about history is Howard Zinn's um, America and it is a total bastardization um, of what history was like whether it was good or bad, it should be taught as it was, not in the light of these neo-communists. Absolutely. Ileana, how many people died under Stalinism? Oh, probably around 100 million, and if you count all the countries around the globe who were communists at one time or another.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And would you say the majority of them were murdered or did they starve? Um, I would say that the majority were murdered, tortured, imprisoned. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were some starved, like in the Ukraine and in China. I I can't give you percentages, but... um. Okay.
0: Well, we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Ileana, thank you for being on today. We're going to have the links to all four of your books posted on my page, on America Out Loud. America, we need to be reading. We need to be educated. And then we need to shine the light in all these dark places and share it with other people. And when these young guys like Hogg or whatever his name is, and they get on TV, go out and speak the truth. Speak the truth to power. Write the op-eds. Do what you can. Share these books and get the truth out there. Eliana, thanks for being on today. And I definitely want to have you back. Well, thank you, Terry. Thank you for having me. All right, let's keep shining light in dark places. Thank you.
1: Let's do it.